0: Welcome to our study of Galatians here on the Radio Bible Course. We're in chapter 6, and in verse 2, Paul writes, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We have seen in our earlier discussion that this is the law of Christ. It's the new commandment, which he discussed in John chapter 13 in the Upper Room Discourse. There is a law of Christ, and it means love one another. So when you bear one another's burdens, you are showing that you do love one another and you are fulfilling the law of Christ. Now we need to consider this. Most people want to live up to the law of the Bible. They often talk about keeping the Ten Commandments, but I never hear anyone talk about, I'm trying to keep The law of Christ, for some reason, that term has escaped our vocabulary. We keep thinking in terms of Moses rather than Christ, and one wonders whether we in the church belong to Moses or belong to Christ. So many people act as though they are members of the synagogue. They preach Moses. The church is supposed to preach Christ, and Christ has a new commandment that we love one another now what does it mean here by burden it's something hard to bear it can be any kind of a load that brings suffering or anxiety and the greek word here refers to a weight it is something we can help someone else carry now we need to compare verse 5 with this one because here we have burden again It says, for each man will have to bear his own burden, although in the Revised Standard Version it translates it, everyone will have to bear his own load. And I'm happy here that they did make a distinction. The Authorized Version seems to form a contradiction between verse 2 and verse 5, because it says, bear one another's burdens... And then in verse 5, everyone will have to bear his own burden. Well, there are two Greek words. And in verse 5, the Greek word for load or burden is for tion, which does not emphasize weight. Now, let me illustrate. Responsibilities can be burdens. Standing on your feet eight hours on the job is a burden, but that's something you alone must bear. I can't do that for you. If you have a number of children and they need your care, that's a burden. Now, I may be able to help you with that, but that's a burden and a responsibility that a parent must assume. You see, responsibility is your burden. You must carry it. Your job assignment is yours alone. But we can carry one another's weights, misfortunes, losses, illnesses that incapacitate people. So, verses 2 and 5 are not a contradiction. We can counsel people in confusion, comfort those in grief, guide the young Christian and lift up those who stumble, and we will be then fulfilling the law of Christ. We can also bear the burden of a poor man, and that's what is in mind here in verse 2. Now, we move to verse 3, and Paul writes, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. A person who thinks too highly of himself might be the one Paul is thinking of here, and such people we call conceited. It can keep him from bearing one another's burden, of course, because he's so concerned with himself he has no room for anyone else. He's like the man in verse 1. The test there was, if you are spiritual, you'll restore the one who stumbles, or the one who is taken over in a trespass. When a man thinks that he is something, when he is nothing, he has pride. He deceives himself. The self-deceived person won't be the one who's out reaching out to others in order to help them. Now, in verse 4, we have a difficult passage. It says, But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. At first reading of this passage, a person might think that uh, this verse somehow got put in there by mistake because it doesn't seem to fit in. But the context does help and fit this verse into the context. Now, what's the context about? First, your attitude toward a fallen brother. Then next, in verse 2, your attitude toward a burdened saint. If we have the proper attitude, both toward the fallen brother and the burdened brother, then we can be happy with ourselves and, as Paul says, have reason to boast or take pride, and that means... A sense of exaltation, that is, we will be happy with our accomplishment. But comparing ourselves with others, and especially with those who fail or are weak, that is not a proper measurement of how well we are doing as Christians. It is quite natural for people to want to compare themselves with others, but that's self-deceiving. I have discovered in talking to people about their faith, And when they talk about why they think they ought to be going to heaven, they often say, well, I'm not as bad as some people are. And I notice that they are comparing themselves with the worst kind of people instead of the best kind of people. Now we move to verse 5 where Paul writes, For each man will have to bear his own burden or load. This is a word for a soldier's equipment or his pack. It's his alone. And no one would expect another soldier, even if he were a brother, to be carrying his pack when he has his own to carry. There are things we have to do ourselves. We need to support ourselves. We need to bathe ourselves and feed ourselves. That's something that is our responsibility. Each man will have to bear his own load. Sickness, and the consequence of it, death, is something each one of us must face. And if we are believers, we don't have any fears. But that's something each one of us must bear. If the unbeliever has even a greater burden, because he doesn't know what's going to happen to him, and he fears the judgment that is certainly facing him. Revelation chapter 20 talks about that judgment. When the books will be opened, we'll stand before God. But believers also have a judgment, and that's described in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what we have done in the body, whether it be good or bad. Now we move to verse 6. Paul writes, Let him who is taught the word... Share all good things with him who teaches. This seems to be talking about Bible teaching, or teaching of doctrine. This is not talking simply about someone who is a teacher. You may be teaching a Sunday school class, but here it's talking about, Let him who is taught the Word share all good things with him who teaches. The activity described in this verse, then, is centered on the Word, and that's a reference to the Word of God. Now, the words being taught is in the present tense, and that suggests continuous or regular teaching. And it's the Greek word from which we get catechism, and this word is catechumen, being taught. Now, what is Paul saying? Well, keep the context in mind again. Let him who is being taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. Now think again of verse 1. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And how do you restore a brother like that? By teaching. Therefore... Those who help restore, now I'm referring only to the context here to help to understand this passage, If those who restore the fallen brother need teaching. And if there are people in the church who have been taught, they ought to share all good things with him who does that teaching. Now let me make a few observations. The context here is the teaching of the word, The divine revelation. Religion isn't worth the teacher's time or the student's time. What has God said is what's important. So Bible classes in dozens of homes ought to be the goal of a fruitful church. Now, what should we insist on in our teachers? First of all, he needs to teach the Word. Preaching is not necessarily teaching. The object of the clause here in verse 6 is the word. It has to be taught. Secondly, teaching should recognize or be in harmony with the distinctions God has made between the two religions of the Bible. You may have a Bible teacher, but is he teaching you Moses or is he teaching you Christ? Is he teaching you law or is he teaching you grace? A teacher needs to know the difference between the two religions in the Bible. And thirdly, teaching ought to have some continuity, and it should respect the context. Jumping around week after week from one place to another without any continuity will hardly help Christians to be built up in the faith. Now, what does it mean to share? Well, there are various views, and one of the popular views is... ...that we pay our teachers. Now, it could mean that, but I doubt very much that it does. The word share is koinonio, and that word is often translated fellowship. It means to be a partner in a thing with someone, and it also means to hold fellowship with someone. So, we can say the one taught should hold fellowship with his teachers... Now, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, this word does refer to financial help, but not here for these reasons. First of all, the context speaks of the evil and the good. We'll find that from verses 1 through 10. Paul is contrasting them. He's not talking about finances. Secondly, the context defines the good as spiritual. Third, Paul would be foolish to be mentioning money at this time because he already has a strained relationship with the Galatians and this would only compound the problem. And fourth, Paul would be giving the Judaizers a new reason to attack him. They could then say, Paul is interested in getting your money. If you will pardon the personal illustration, perhaps this explains the passage. I have been taught the Word, and many people who teach Bible classes call me from time to time to ask me to explain a verse, and I often gladly take time to do what I can to make that passage more understandable to them. This may be an application of verse 6, which says, Let him who is taught the Word share all good things with him who teaches. If you teach a Bible class, or have considered doing so, you will be pleased to know of our verse-by-verse teaching tapes, which will help you to prepare your lessons. Teaching tapes of most of our New Testament epistles are available for your private study. Here's what you can expect. Biblical words will be defined, and the cultural background is considered in explaining a passage. Verb tenses are examined, and difficult passages are not passed over. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.